Hello, and welcome to Presenting, a podcast where we chat about various topics related to role-playing games, typically Paizo products such as Pathfinder and Starfinder, but also others. I'm John Godek, and with me today is Nate Wright. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, how's it going? Yeah, it's, you know, it's great to finally talk to you in person. I mean, even though we're online, I've, I've chatted with you on Discord, but we have not, not really ever conversed. So this is kind of a, kind of a neat, one of the neat things I like about this is I get a chance to meet people and, and uh, that I normally wouldn't otherwise. Yeah, yeah, it's good to see cast members face to face, get a better sense of it instead of just, oh yeah, I sometimes do stuff for these people and they exist as Discord names and avatars. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. Well, Nate is the author of the Eldritch Excursion blog on our network, the No Direction Network, as well as an active RPG freelance author. His credits include the, I'm going to say this wrong again. Um, how do I say this? Anadi. Anadi, Anadi. I hear that all the time, and it, for some reason, I don't want to say that. So the Anadi ancestry in the Mwangi Expanse, uh, Monsters for the Starfinder Adventure Path, Attack of the Swarm, books four and six, and co-authoring Pathfinder Society, Scenario 3-03, Echoes of Desperation. Nate claims to have a fondness for unusual and sometimes aberrant player options, citing the third edition Savage Species book as one of his all-time favorites. Um. What does that actually mean when you say you're you're you like these kind of crazy player options? Can you give some specific examples of that? Yeah, yeah. Well, I've been playing the game for a while now. You know, I started with a D and D third edition, and you know, everyone starts with the basic self insert human or a Lord yeah. of the Rings fan character. But then I played it for a while, experimented, played some World of Darkness, which is a whole different feel. Mm -hmm. And just bringing some of that into the game where it's like the premise is that you're a monster or you're right. weird or you don't entirely fit in. And sitting that next to like an elven ranger or a right. dwarven wizard, just no, nah, no, nah, it's it's fun. <laughs> but there, there's something cool about playing like a sentient ooze that someone carries you right. around in a right. barrel with. Right. Yeah, and there's a lot more options now in second edition, especially with the the Book of the Dead too, right? Have have you oh, looked yeah. through that at all? Oh, I have, and I've <laughs> already got a backup pl character planned for the home game I'm in right now. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It, it'll be pretty fun. It's uh basically it's dragons aren't an ancestry in the game officially, though. There's a nice okay. third party thing. So what I was gonna do make a beastly skeleton, take the feat that essentially gives you the adopted feature. Pick it with kobolds so I can take kobold feats. <laughs> yeah. The idea is they're a skeleton yeah. dragon and they're right. kind of rebuilding what they used to be. And the kobold disguise is kind of the way he can make himself look like a humanoid with like right. kind of a cubone from Pokemon look, like, right, like he's right, wearing right. his own skeleton as an outfit. And then I just yeah. take dra Draconic Sorcerer, essentially relearning what it used to mean to be a dragon. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That'll be fun. Yeah, I know. You know, I know a lot of people that um, that like the Cobalt uh, ancestry and, you know, playing as a as a mini dragon kind of mm -hmm. thing. So that, that's a really that's kind of a cool, cool twist on it. So can you talk a little bit about the blog you write for No Direction, the Eldritch Excursion, kind of the inspiration on that? And, you know, from week to week, because you're uh, regularly putting something together for it. Oh, yeah, that one's just an expression of, hey, 
Pathfinder should have more weird stuff. Starfinder should have more weird stuff. So let me just make the game more weird. So, you know, I the, the pitch is that I look at the intersections of flavor and mechanics, because it's often when those things come together, they make some really nice features. When you've got a character that feels like they're the thing you're describing as, that's where some of the best moments come from, at least right, for me. Right. So couple that with my interest in the weirdness and I think, okay, what does it mean to play as a heretic in the eyes of your religion? Here's a background rule for that. Uh, what does it mean when you're playing a summoner, my favorite class? Uh, what does it mean to have your relationship with the Eidolon? Here's a little extra type of Eidolon that I've always wanted to have in the game. You know, a little, <laughs> little flavor, a little something extra. Just mm -hmm. generally using it as a place to experiment with ideas that I've had in my head, but I don't want to come into a whole book or that I just think I, I really want to share and I don't want to go through all the technical issues of getting it licensed or pitching it or whatever. Just things yeah. I want to exist. Yeah. Yeah. So have you thought about making a, a compilation of that down the road though? You know, once you got a couple years worth and, and then maybe refining some of those rules and putting it out. Well, some of these ideas are like smaller bits. Like if you look right. back on some recent entries, I dedicated three blogs to the basic foundation of like a Psychonauts Inception style dream combat campaign. And that mm -hmm. just covers the very basics that you might see in like the first book if it were an adventure path. Right. So, you know, maybe I might take that theme and write something in the future, or maybe I'll take a ancestry option i like and say hey what if they had a town let's make a little book where it's just a little flavor book where here's the town here's some stats to play as the thing in the town some new items and monsters that might be in the town and you can just surgically graft that into your campaign mm -hmm. yeah can you talk a little bit how you got started as a freelancer and then how that kind of led to you join us here on the network well, I got started when I went to SkullCon, which is a local convention here in the Twin Cities. We actually have a pretty solid tabletop RPG scene here. So I got involved with that through Pathfinder Society. Then Thurston Hillman came in. That was pretty fun to meet him. And then I just one time worked up the courage to ask if they were looking for new authors. So he got me in touch with someone in Legendary Games, I did a thing for them, and then he came to me with an offer to work with something in Paizo, and then I just got my foot in the door, and I've been dabbling with them ever since. Yeah, I I really like SkullCon a lot. I went, shoot, I think it was 2019, the last one, before the pandemic. I think it is when the last In the one. before times. In the before time. It was the first time I'd gone. I'd heard great things about it. Um, I met Hillary there, and actually my my first interview for this series was with Hillary, followed by Thirsty at that uh, convention. I I was doing them live because I I figured I was meeting these people. I might as well record these meetings. Oh, that's kind of how that started. We, we might have brushed past each other, but I didn't know who you were at the time, and I was a nobody. So, well, I I didn't I you know I actually think I may have run into you. And I think you may have sat down at my table, started the play, and then realized you were at the wrong table. <laughs> that that sounds like something I do. So I I think now again I don't remember names very well, 
but you look as soon as I saw. So this is the first time I've ever seen you like today. And I'm thinking, man, you look really familiar. And I was trying to figure out where it was from. Uh, and I had you authored anything at that point? Uh, back then. Ooh, that's a good. I'd have to look at a timeline, but it's possible I did like one of my really small first things. I think I want to say the first thing I did for Paizo was the two monsters in a mm-hmm. uh, the swarm event, Attack of the Swarm. That's the first thing I remember. Yeah, maybe I think Starfinder. That... Yeah, that was Starfinder. Okay. So I I think it was you then because I think I think we talked about that. <laughs> so yeah, so, I I definitely brag about that, especially if it was recent. I'd be I'm always yeah. very giddy about yeah. something when I finish it or when it's out. Yeah, yeah. I get to actually talk about it when it's out, which is nice. Well, when I you know when I started um, doing interviews, one of the reasons why I did it was I was trying to figure out how to break into writing because I hadn't written anything since mm. then. I've written quite a bit for Paizo and other. And uh, it was uh, kind of one of the reasons why I wanted to talk to Hillary. She was kind of getting involved in, in doing things and talking to Thirsty to kind of figure it out. And so that that's why kind of the nature of my questions always touch upon how did you get started? <laughs> what advice do you have for people? Because mm. not only do I think people are interested in seeing the differences that people might have, but I, I'm genuinely curious. That's kind of where those things came from. Yeah, well, I can I can say, like, if anyone wants to get in, go to places where there are people who are in the industry and introduce yeah. yourself. Networking is so, so much of it. Like, I, I went from mm-hmm. not knowing where these magic books came from or how they were made. <laughs> maybe they had yeah. elves. Maybe they contracted yeah. eldritch beings. And then I actually met people and got involved in the process. And, yeah, that's the biggest thing. Maybe have a portfolio. but. I got a little lucky. They gave me a chance on a small project. Well, and and that seems to be somewhat common that uh, the folks at Paizo have certain things that they set aside for. If there's somebody who's interested and I want to give them a shot, here's something I can do. It's kind of a low risk situation for them. And Smart. it gives somebody a chance to, to kind of show what they know. Can they deliver something on time in the proper format and have, Something that's interesting and different, you know. So, yeah. Now, now, how did you end up getting on No Direction on the network? You know, I had just been kind of lurking in the community, yeah. like in the alleyways from time to time. <laughs> I stumbled upon the website through the greater Pathfinder community, saw some articles, occasionally commented. I'd even stop and think, oh, man, what would I write if I were on there? Yeah. <laughs> but, uh. Yeah, eventually I got invited into a game with some mm-hmm. people in the network. Mm-hmm. It didn't go through, but they actually invited me to join, which is uh, still kind of crazy that I'm on this website that I've been following for several years. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's it's changed, you know, a little bit more recently, you know, with Param oh, yeah. stepping down and Ryan not being as involved on kind of the flagship shows and things, but you know, it's, I think it's part of the organic growth and change that you see in a lot of programs, a lot of podcasts or blog sites and, and things like that. But yeah, now I'm wondering, uh, was the game you were invited to, was that going to be like a, uh, uh, second edition kind of, uh, newbie game or is it going to be something? Yeah. Different? I, th- 
Yeah, Ryan had invited me to yeah. a to a short term game. Like a mod. I think it was going to be a recorded thing. It wasn't yeah. going to be live. They just do it recorded, put it out as right. content. But it wasn't able to go through. Must have been something on the back end. I didn't really pester mm -hmm. him about it. I was way too worried about sounding annoying because it's like, oh my god, opportunity. <laughs> They're letting me in. My foot's getting in a door. Don't mess it up. Don't mess it up. Don't mess it up. Well, because I seem to recall when that was happening and I told him, I, so I don't play a lot of uh, second edition. I, I, mm. I didn't then. Now I've been playing a, a bit more. And I remember when he was at, I told him I would be very interested, but the timing wasn't going to work for me mm. because of the shows and, and other things I was doing. Um, so mm. I was disappointed. And then it just occurred to me when you mentioned that, that I don't recall it going through. So that's why I was thinking maybe, maybe it was that. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It's a shame, but it is what it is. I made it here, so, you know, yeah, maybe no, they were testing me to see if, all right, he seems <laughs> nice. Let's play a game to make sure it isn't just like an act. Are we letting some screeching madman onto our show? And the answer is yes, but I know how to keep it <laughs> under wraps. <laughs> um, you know, that's funny. I actually approached them about getting on the network when, when, when I joined. And they had a test, and I forgot what it's called. It was like the the something goose test, and I don't even remember what it was. Mm. They asked me some question. I had to make the right answer. It was basically to show you weren't a racist bigot kind of thing, and mm. we're going to be completely against everything the the show st stands for. I think, but um, so I I don't know that the bar is super high in that. If you're wa wanting to to put on content for the network, I think we're happy to have you. So. Um, so I think it's great that you're here and that you're doing stuff, but I, I, I don't think you needed to be worried. Uh, I think you, you know, the fact that they contacted you in the first place meant mm -hmm. they, that you'd already kind of met that threshold. So, well, that's my secret captain. I'm always <laughs> worried. <laughs> so now you've written both for second edition and Starfinder. Uh, do you play both of those actively? Oh, yes. I even wrote just a little bit for first edition. I got in yeah, yeah. just in the nick of time. I wrote a, the, uh, oh, God, the last quest for Pathfinder Society first edition. Uh, not Eyes of the Ten, but, mm -hmm. oh, God, this is bad. It, it was one revolving around the Decemvirate, and I wrote the part with the dwarves, and it was pretty good. Mm -hmm. Well, it was pretty fun writing it, at least. I'll let so, other people judge whether or not it's good. <laughs> I think it's good. <laughs> so what are some of the, the differences you find when you're writing for the various systems and kind of what challenges do they present for you? Well, second edition was interesting because it was so different from first ed. Like mm -hmm. I, I played first ed ever since what I Five, six years before the release of 2E, I had been in it for a while. And I was very much getting into the... I like doing optimization stuff, and even if I don't build the strongest character, I try to like know the system, mostly right. so I don't accidentally make a useless sack of crap. So, <laughs> yeah. Which was, a, unfortunately, a thing you could do in first net if you weren't careful. Right. So I was familiar with the rules, and you know, it was kind of familiar if awkward territory at times. It's a very... People call it bloated, but I call it well-aged, full, ripe, voluminous. <laughs> but at the same time, also kind of bloated. And now, uh, second edition was smoother. Yeah. Starfinder was my favorite system to write for, actually. Yeah. 
it has it has the feel of first edition Pathfinder, right. but some of the edges were smoothed out. Like the numbers are on a more steady track. It's harder to right. break the game. There's the the fact that they have a template for making monsters. Here mm. it's expected stats based on its level, its role, and its creature type is just that basic foundation means you don't have to spend all this time poring over stats of every similar CR and type of creature to like mm -hmm. try to triangulate exactly where the numbers should be, maybe consult some tea leaves, check your <laughs> horoscope, make an animal yeah, sacrifice. Yeah, I think the math on, on Starfinder is pretty good, but not compared, second edition is so tight, so mm. tight the way they've, they've gotten that, and they they work really hard at maintaining that. It seems like um, I, I'm, I'm in terms of writing for both. What kind of challenges are there for you? Now it seems that you mentioned like really crazy, weird stuff. It seems like Starfinder would be like right up your alley for doing things like that, especially in the player options. You know, the funny thing about that is when I first saw the system, I, I really liked it and I still do, but then I saw, wait, if all of the aliens are just a thing, then how do I make something really weird? So, actually, what my one of my favorite things I've ever written was uh, the Mimetic Zenith monster for the Final Swarm book. I'm sad it didn't get put in there, but I kind of understand like the theme. It wasn't going to quite fit. But I was given free reign, and I made use of it. It's mm -hmm. a CR-15 caster, which alone means I'll probably never see it for a while. But I'm a big fan of memes, meme culture, all the in-jokes, all those references. <laughs> it's great. And you'd think in a place like Starfinder, that'd be even more all over the place. Tech is exploded. The Sheeran yeah. alone, with their obsession on self-expression and mm -hmm. collective cooperation, seems mm -hmm. like the perfect breeding ground for the dankest memes. Like... There's Sheeran culture, and then everybody else, and then people who don't pay attention to it. But it, it understandably, they're not going to make that a laser focus in Pathfinder. I, I don't think we're going to see a ultimate Reddit or something like that. <laughs> so I figured, hey, Akashic Record data exists, memes exist, and we've seen through things like the GameStop stocks or just various websites that become infamous memes can be incredibly powerful so why couldn't memes in a magical world be so powerful that they manifest in a way that requires you to destroy their internet incarnation to put them down for good and that's that's what i put together and i'm happier that it exists in the world no that i actually have to go look that up that sounds really really cool and oh it's pretty I, fun I'm actually playing a character that just hit 16th level and uh, it's in an AP. Um, but, you know, in society play, they're going to have, I think uh, 515 is going to be a, an 11 to 14. So Ooh, you can see nice. something like that. And I don't know if that's written or not yet. So I, I think it's far enough out that maybe it it's in the process of, um, but yeah, no, that sounds that sounds like a really, really, really cool thing. And I and uh, I'm where is that right now? Is it in? It's in, in the, the uh, archive alien form. archive of a. Uh, well, you know how the adventure paths have the oh, alien the archives. It's in yeah, the yeah, in the toolbox. Okay. It's in the okay. 
sixth swarm book okay. as a CR 15 thing you can throw at your players. Okay. And because there's variable as the memes that exist, you could you could make it so if you're fighting the Vescarium, right? You're, you're running a yeah. home game where you're either freeing the Vescarium or even playing as them and like conquering one of the planets in like a flashback. You could right. make it so the very will of the people to either win the war through defense or conquest is made manifest. The propaganda, the emotions, right, right, the right, right. trillions of you know, troll posts that follow in the cultural fallout, all made manifest in this spirit bomb of a creature. It's call me biased because I very much am, but I feel like it's the kind (laughs) of monster that can serve as the centerpiece of an entire campaign Mm -hmm. as a, as a literal idea made manifest. I think there's potential in there. To be the big boss is causing lots of problems all throughout. Then you finally see where it's all coming from. Or even the thing that gets out of control when the big boss yeah. like tries too hard. <laughs> Classic tapped into power yeah. you couldn't control yeah. kind of trope. Nice. I, I will. I def, I'm going to check that out right after this. Actually. Oh, cool, cool. So, so what advice do you have for people interested in getting involved in freelance writing and blogging? Well, again, I got kind of lucky through proximity, so networking is the number one thing. Okay. Like no, how you gonna say be really lucky? I wasn't sure. So, (laughs) I mean, yes, in all things in life, especially. But of course, other than that, just do things like be be known, like get to know people. If if you have a favorite class or a favorite style that you like to go about with things, Mm -hmm. like I like weird stuff. I will always defend the summoner class as the perfect child who did Mm -hmm. nothing wrong, including the APG. Fight me, (laughs) but. You know, just have a bit of an identity, have a name, talk to people. Mm-hmm. Pretty much give yourself every advantage you can to make people think of you. Hey, we're looking to expand our roster. Hey, isn't there that guy that invented the fighter that could fly by fifth level and everyone made memes about Wing Sword the Backbreaker? <laughs> you know, just be involved. Uh, be a good boy. Don't don't do anything that would bite you in the butt. Um, yeah, and now just put stuff out there. So you met folks at SkullCon. Do you go to other big conventions as well, or is that kind of your primary? Um, there are some other smaller conventions. I've been to a few PaizoCons, and they were pretty good back in the before times. Yes, I was yes. making it a regular thing. Then 2020 got closed down. 2021 didn't happen. And 2022 happened, but to the best of my knowledge, like they were honoring the 2020 tickets, and that essentially pre-filled up the amount of people they were going to let in. And I think there might have been some wiggle room, but it was tight enough that I didn't want to bother like booking a flight in a hotel room, for sure. Right, right, right. So I'm looking forward to 2023. Unless something happens, wouldn't put it past the world, but you know, fingers crossed. Yeah, I'm I'm hoping as well. I I had tickets from 2020 that carried over, but I have a I had a kidney transplant two years ago, and I can't mm-hmm. still go out to do things in public. And I'm hoping by next PaizoCon, I'm actually hoping by Gen Con, but I don't know. I don't think that's going to happen. I I'll find out more next week. But I love PaizaCon. That's PaizaCon, 
origins and SkullCon, if I were to say kind of three, um, you know, a couple bigger one and one smaller, more intimate one, I think those are, you know, those are my favorites. And I, I've gone to eight or nine around the country, and those are the ones I enjoyed quite a bit the most. And the timing where they're spread out is is pretty good as well in general, where SkullCon normally falls later in in September. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure they made specifically sure to plan it when other people could go right. to make sure it wouldn't crowd out anything else. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's nice that like that's close enough for Thirsty to come down. Is he a regular there? I just saw him the one time. I don't know. Yeah, he was a he's a semi regular. We'd we'd always lure him over by offering him gift baskets of booze. Yes. <laughs> Skullcon was a very social con and some yes. people had a lot of fun and were very social. Yeah, well uh, Jack looking forward to the next one. Jack had a, a big get together at his house where, where a lot of us out of town uh folks mm. got invited over and Thirsty was there and and that was really kind of cool. I really I kind of enjoyed that quite a bit. So, Nate, what's next for you? What kind of cool things are you working on that you can actually talk about with us today? Um, well, I'm between projects right now in terms of, like, freelance work, but I am working on a few, like, smaller things right now. Uh, nothing worth, like, showing up or getting too many promises up, <laughs> but let's just say I've got a little story arc going on in my uh, Eldritch Excursion blogs where I occasionally mm -hmm. attempt to seize the means of evolution from Oros, the god of evolution. Mm -hmm. right, right, right. And I actually have something of a conclusion to the arc planned in the future that I think will be pretty cool. Very early in development, but I'm looking forward to that. Other than that... You can definitely expect more stuff from the blog. I might expand on some of them later as books to sell, maybe even a thing or two to hand out, because, again, I always like getting my name out there, and right. I just want these things to exist and be played in games. That's the most flattering thing I could hear. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, I like that thing. It happened in the game, and we had a good time. Yeah, for sure. Well, I, I look forward to seeing more from you and hopefully see more uh, freelance work from you down the road as well. Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, Nate, thanks so anywhere. much. Yep, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast today. Thanks for having me. It was it was a good time.